Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevin Stoltzfus, joined here <laughs> by Mike Stephen with... Why were you smelling your sock, dude? It smells bad. Well, you don't have to do the sniff, sniff, sniff test to know that your sock smells bad. Mike, where are we? Right now, we're in Eagle, Colorado. We are sitting in a motel room waiting... For the opener of fourth season rifle, yeah, in Colorado, but that's not why we're here on this podcast, are we? Nope. We're here to talk about Kansas, and Mike, you know a lot about Kansas, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, happens to be the state I grew up in. So, well, first off, shotgun Mike here with me, and. Introduce yourself. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about you. I've known you for quite a while. Uh, we'll get into how we met, but uh, give us a, an overview of who you are and all that. Oh, well, my name's Mike Steven. Sometimes go by Michael, Shotgun Mike, Barrage Mike, a plethora of different uh, nicknames I've acquired over the few years. But uh, grew up in Kansas. Um, started kind of filming hunts and stuff about seven-ish years ago, and I've filmed for, you know, some of the larger names in the industry. Like Um, Tanner Vernon? Yeah, like Tanner. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, just kind of slowly progressed and met new people and network, 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 and, um eventually met Trevin, you, and we've uh, worked together quite a bit since then. Yeah, it's been fun. We met uh, through a couple projects you'd worked with another gentleman where I think we crossed paths at some film festivals. Actually, yeah, with uh, Aaron, you probably met him at a film festival. The first time I met you was at the Train to Hunt in Fort Collins. That's right, because I needed another cameraman, and he suggested you. Yep. That's right, that's right. And so uh, uh, Mikey came in, in on that project when we were, doing, when we were filming the Train to Hunt series. Um, you worked with us on that and then came back and did Nationals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, I just talk about a little rabbit uh, hole here but I looked over one time and Mikey is sitting in the middle of a field with your camera I mean literally it looked like you were just sitting in a grass field but you were trying to get a bumble was it a bumblebee or no a hummingbird a hummingbird yeah in slow motion yep. with the FS 700 <laughs> that's right that that was the first time I looked over and I what is he doing out there and I think Dustin or someone said, I think he's trying to film something. And it was some downtime or something during the, the event. And you were trying to get a hummingbird that was flying around to come back and get it in slow motion. And I did. I got did it. Did you? Yeah. yeah. You got that shot? Yeah. I sat there for, I don't know how long, waiting for yeah. one to fly into range. Yeah, that's and funny. Then try and, you know, get a focus on a thing that's zipping around as fast as a hummingbird. It's not easy to do. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Mike, um, you, uh, you're basically full-time 
uh, independent contractor, if you will. You you work for various people. You uh, we've kind of booked you up uh, a little bit these last years. This year more than probably even last year. Um, and uh, would you say you have a specialty? Like, what's your favorite type of hunt to film? I mean. When I first started filming, it was all whitetail hunts. I mean, that's all I did for, you know, from basically, you know, October to December. It was whitetail. And it, I kind of got sick of it for a while because it was, it was a lot. Um, I branched out into some waterfowl stuff. uh, Ended up taking on a waterfowl show at some point. Um I think Dustin helped you a little bit on that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. He was a big help um, doing some editing work for me. And uh, The Grind was the show that I worked on. And then, uh, yeah, I've gotten into some of the Western big game hunts, some elk, mule deer. Um, I've been fortunate enough to actually um, be on quite a few uh, moose hunts in, in Wyoming. That's always always a lot of fun but uh yeah actually the past couple of years i've kind of got back to my whitetail roots and have really enjoyed it um well you hunt a lot yourself i do when i can yeah so and i remember a couple of years ago you had a pretty good spot in in western kansas with some really good mule deer and you i think she texted me a picture of a buck you were after that was a just a, a monster yeah i kind of got the mule deer bug for a while i mean i still like seeing and chasing and filming mule deer uh but i had this like obsession uh Mm -hmm. that kind of took over and was like i had to go go find and and kill a big mule deer and um did the archery hunt in western kansas for a couple years and had some really really close you know close calls um great opportunities on very large deer and uh you know i was very green in the uh how you go about spot and stock on mule deer so um definitely have learned a lot from those those two seasons and then uh the third season i actually drew the rifle tag uh for western kansas mule deer and went out and shot a shot a decent buck um not necessarily the the big ones i was after but uh had a limited amount of time to to hunt and you know, through filming schedules and everything. And, um, he's a good buck, good first buck. So, so if you had, uh, a little bit of wisdom to share with somebody, the mistakes you made, or maybe some of the challenges that you had to overcome when you were, as you said, green going into that, what would they be? Do you remember? Um, patience. That's like the biggest thing that I, took away from his patience you weren't patient enough i was not patient enough mm. i tried to i tried to force things that i should have waited on and uh yeah patience and and try not to overthink it too much you right. know deer right. deer do what deer do they're not gonna they're not trying to slip past you you know unless they know you're there right so yeah patience was something that was would have been would have been super helpful um, and, and several of the, the chances I had at pretty nice deer. 
Now, you've done some pretty cool projects. Uh, you did a coyote uh, hunting or hunter. I, it was actually more about a personality. It was a, What was his name? Uh, his name was Jesse Trader. Yeah, uh, he's an amazing, amazing individual. Just the guy just, just lives, eats, breathes coyote hunting. And you uh, you got a chance to interview him and go out and film uh, a, a pretty neat little short film about him and and why he does what he what what he does uh, what what am I trying to say why he does what he does is that right yeah okay yeah all right yeah he was uh, he's a local guy there in Kansas where I grew up and uh, it's funny I actually met him through my mom because my mom was uh, bragging about me one day and uh, this guy overheard the conversation and said wait your son has filmed for Les Johnson. And he was a big Les Johnson fan, watched him on TV all the time. And uh, at first I was a little skeptical. I was like, oh gosh, you know, I'm going to go meet this 50-some-year-old dude that wants to talk to me about coyote hunting and <laughs> because I film. And ended up uh, being a really cool dude. And I I actually kind of consider him a friend at this point. And, yeah, um, that's cool. Done a lot, of, a lot of little hunts with him. Um, and, you know, finally I just decided that uh i needed to kind of capture who he was because he was he's a pretty amazing guy and and quite a character and he you know he and he truly believes that he was put on this earth to to hunt coyotes and somebody needs to do it because those suckers today uh, tanner and i were glassing up mule deer and they started running and we're like what and we th- thought there was going to be another buck or something come out of the, the cedars, and it was two coyotes. And, I mean, they were right on the heels of the last doe. Two stinking coyotes. And, of course, Tanner had to ask me, did I just see what I saw, or, or was that just a fawn or something? You know? And we're looking through spotting scopes, and it was, I don't know, probably over a mile away. But, anyway, it was pretty – somebody needs to take care of them boogers because they are – yeah they, they play havoc on the fawn crop and all that they do yeah it's definitely predator control is a controversial subject and we could get into another rabbit hole there but uh i think i think targeted uh timing on taking coyotes is probably your best bet yeah yeah for sure okay uh kansas 2018 yep we had spent uh a week in missouri and um, I felt like Missouri set us up really good for Kansas as far as expectations because we did see quite a bit. You've been with us years past. We didn't see as much movement. You and I killed uh, that buck last year um, out of that same stand that, that Tanner was in the tree with me this year that I killed yep. that buck out of. But I felt like we saw more, quote-unquote, rutting action. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think I think that maybe some of that had to do with the weather. Um, I don't think it got quite as cold last year as it did and this year. And the year before that, it was flat hot. Right. So um, we had some – it was funny because I was uh, being a little bit of a smart aleck about um, – talking about the moon calendar and talking about this and that and i just like deer are gonna do what deer are gonna do but a lot of times when we were talking about pressure barometric pressure or the moon calendar we did see more movement during those periods 
And so we were going to Kansas, and I think you were the one that told me, uh, you know, it's going to be good. We're going to, you know, we're going to, I think we had a storm move in. and Yeah, I'd looked at the uh, the kind of the forecast and the, you know, what has been said in the past is, is uh, that if you've got a bunch of north winds in a row and then you have a warming trend and it switches to a south wind or a west wind or whatever it is, but then it warms back up after it gets, it's pretty cold. Um, a lot of times it'll spark those deer to get up and move a little bit earlier. Right. And when we got there, uh, we, we drove in late Saturday, no, late Friday night. Yep. And we, you and I knew we had only had three days this year because, uh, I, a couple weeks prior had received that phone call from the CPW, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, that somebody had turned in uh, this tag on the hunt, the hunt that we're actually on right now, but they'd turned this tag back in and wanted to know if I, I wanted it because I was next on the list. This is a tag that without going into this, cause we'll be doing podcasts on this hunt, I'm sure. But it is 18 year, you know, type of, uh, it's a special hunt and yeah. it takes a long time to draw it even as a resident. So, Knowing that Kansas was something I worked for all year long, it was also something that I could even go back after I was done with this hunt. After Thanksgiving, I could I could have gone back and yeah, and hunted a little bit. So I decided to go ahead and take it, but that was going to cut our sh- our hunt from a normal week of hunting to and honestly, whitetail hunting. Sometimes it's just about t- time in the stand. Yeah. You know, especially during the rut. Yeah. You just got to have your button stand and, and be, you know, with the right wind and, and opportunities happen. And so we knew instead of having a week, we were going to have Saturday. We were going to ha- have them basically two and a half days. We were going to have uh, sun- Saturday, Sunday, and then the Monday morning sit. And then I, we had to get back here because then Tuesday we had to get stuff ready, which is today to come up here. And so you showed up Friday night. I had I was a little bit earlier than you. You had to run to the house and take care of some things in Kansas City. That put me there, got things a little bit organized. As a matter of fact, I think I was in bed when you showed up, wasn't I? Yeah, you I were. I was tucked in bed reading. <laughs> and uh, um, we stayed with our good buddy Phil Francone that uh, is actually the neighbor uh, to the property that I hunt. I hunt... Uh, a property that one of my best friends, his family owns it. And um, so we help him with the management, food plots, stuff like that, and and get to hunt it. But I also work with Phil on his food plots. And so we're we're, we're neighbors, but we're, we kind of partner on, on the management aspects of it and stuff like that. It's pretty fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty cool to have, you know, all that ground tied up together, working together, and then like you know he's getting pictures of the deer you're seeing and vice versa so it's it's pretty cool to see that and and to know that he his aspect of what he's going to shoot is similar to mine or similar to ours you know um so saturday morning we we finally pick a, a stand and it wasn't a perfect wind for that stand right it was a south southeast wind 
which ideally I would have rather had a southwest or a just true south. But it worked. And we climbed up in the stand over a killer food plot that looked pretty good. Looked like the deer actually had been hitting it pretty hard. And um, and it was cold. Yeah, but before that, uh, I had never been in the stand before. Oh, that's right. And and I, I forgot up, to tell you. And yeah. I, I got up in there, and and you, I, as far as how everything was set up in Missouri, uh, the camera stand is a little bit higher than the than the hunter stand, and the camera stand's usually the smaller stand of the of the two stands. So I got up in the set, and the smaller stand is is higher um than than the other stand but it's also facing out towards the food plot and i was like hmm well this is interesting i mean i guess this will work um you know and then i thought to myself well trevin is left-handed so i wonder if this is why he's got it set up this way so i get the the uh the whole camera arm and base and everything set up in the tree and the camera's sitting on the on the fluid head and you climb up and you're like what are you doing dude you're in the wrong stand. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and it was my fault. I, I didn't tell you that in that set, we put the little one up in front for the shooter stand because of, of how it fit. It was smaller. So yep. uh, we didn't have to trim as many branches. And then the, where we set yours, we set yours higher, the cameraman higher but you would have been totally uncomfortable. So we actually put it a little bit lower, but because of the way the tree sits and my shooting angles, you could literally come around. You were fine. Yeah. Which normally we like you above. So you're, yeah. So it, it, it didn't really matter except that we almost got to shoot a coyote. But I think he, uh, I think he buggered because of the, just our scent versus, uh, you know, it was just getting light and, and all we hear is, you know, and it's too early for squirrels to be making the noise. Right. We knew it was either a deer or something. Yep. And it was a coyote right underneath us. And then he buggered. I didn't get a chance to shoot him. More management <laughs> we would have been partaking in. Yeah. But uh, that was a, it was a cold set. We did see what we saw, uh, a, a doe. You you saw some uh, some deer running across the, the creek um, in, a, in the only unharvested bean field in the county i think yep um and then uh they came across it's set up right kind of by a crossing this the creek that runs there is actually has some pretty deep holes in it so there's there's like three or four crossings throughout the length of the property and so you know that's you utilize those for deer moving of course they utilize them and uh, we've got a couple of different uh video clips of it working perfect where the deer comes from the ag field, crosses the creek, and then comes to, to the ridge. Um, but this morning, on this particular morning, uh, again, 12 degrees. I think we even had some wind. It was it was kind of gusty at yeah. times, so that even made it colder. Yep. And you were facing right into the wind. Mm-hmm. And I was tucked behind you, and you're a little bigger than me. <laughs> so it was actually okay for me because you broke a lot of that wind. The, the, the good thing about where I was sitting too, those, I was getting all the sunlight. Oh, that's true. So that was definitely helping warm me up. Right, right. And then we ended up eight, maybe eight thirty. a little button buck came from downwind 
um, possibly. Of course, it, the, the, the edge of the ridge drops off, so our scent might have just been going off right over the top of his head. But So we had high hopes, but by about 11.30, we were cold, and nothing was moving. So we climbed out. Yep. And, and I actually checked with my buddy Forrest, uh, who, who hunts in that area, and he said the exact same thing. He's like, I'm going in. It's cold. I'll get out here about 1.30 and get back in the stand. So we that was our plan. I was actually uh, going to do a couple of errands, and I ended up going going into to the little town that we're by and, and visiting my buddy, whose family owns the farm. His mom still lives in that little town, and I went and had coffee with her and, uh, and then came back, and I think we— and grabbed a snack and then went right and got back in the tree. Now, the tree that we climbed in this time, have you? No, you hadn't sat that with me yet. I had Me and Dad sat that. Yeah, in, I hadn't been in any yeah, of these stands right. yet. So, last year you came, but you weren't actually crawling up the stand. What you were doing is you are working on another project that uh, is pretty cool. I've got to see some of that, and that uh, has a lot to do with Dad and my relationship and uh, the unique... Uh, characteristics of the relationship and the outdoors mm-hmm. and how my dad doesn't hunt but yet here he is filming for me so so you were actually filming dad and I who were filming a hunt yep so that was kind of cool um, more to come on that in the next uh, few months but uh, we climbed up it's a it's a uh, the the Jenny gate so the way this sits is is there's an ag field that is cut corn. Yep. Now uh, this this season, and it's the hub of the property. Um, there's an old barn there. The Jenny family uh, they they call it the Jenny barn because it was the homesteaded by the Jennies, and uh, and this is a gate that goes into the ag field. And usually there's a barbed wire gate that goes across it, but. After the cows are out of the pasture, then it's open. I leave it open. Um, so we climbed up, and we're looking at deer coming from behind us, um, coming down a little alley, and then, and then we got a big woodlot uh, timber to our uh, be our southeast, south southeast, and uh, it was pretty slow to start. But it had warmed up. Yeah, it definitely warmed up. It was not as bad of a sit as as the morning. You're right, and and I think you tapped me on the shoulder and said, "There's a there's a buck coming," and we t- turned around and right by the barn, the road that goes by the barn, here comes this little was a little eight point, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the first one. Yeah. Was a little eight point, yeah. a little two year old, mm-hmm. and he walked right down and then kind of veered off. There's a there's a little knob with a bunch of cedars, and you had even pointed out to me earlier this big rub. I mean, just there was a yeah, there pretty was a aggressive. pretty good size yeah. cedar tree that had been raked pretty well. Right, and he headed into there, and uh, yeah, I think the two little bucks came across the field. They went. They went up into the wood lot and then, and then, and they, then they circled back down. Circled back down and right. through the cedars. That's and right. they kinda like split our tree. Right. Yeah. One went one way and one went the other. Right, yeah. 
one made a little scrape. The other went out into the field, had a few bites, dug for some spilt corn or whatever, and then worked off. Um, one thing about this property, you know, you run trail cameras all year. Well, not all year long, but, you know, from August, late July, August through February is when we run them. Yep. And uh, I had... I had two bucks this year that I wanted to shoot. I had one I called Blades and one I called Brutus. And I'd been watching these deer. Knew they were at least, well, Blades was at least six, if not seven. Brutus, I thought, was at least five. Um, but Brutus showed up to uh, a couple years ago. Um, but he... It wasn't anything impressive. He became something this these last two years, so caught my eye. Um, so the, it, it, this is what we're looking for. And we checked trail cameras during the middle of the day, mm-hmm. pulled a few, and we did have Brutus at night moving, no sign of blades. So we've got one hit lister, if you want to use that example or moniker for for the buck and uh we're seeing these little bucks mm-hmm. but at least we're seeing deer move yeah it's and a lot you, better than you you even told me hopefully they just keep getting bigger <laughs> and uh i mean i was i was okay as long as deer were moving and then well you had turned your camera on which was a good thing because you're running Cause you're running that red Tanner. Would you please turn that off? We're having a podcast here. <laughs> I didn't mean to turn it on. Uh, this this break in the action brought to you by Tanner Vernon. Um, you're running a red. Stop, please. Goodness gracious! See what I put up with this? Wonder we kill anything. Um, and that red takes what to? It's not a normal camera. You turn on and you run because it. It has to boot up like a computer. Yeah, yeah. It takes a it takes approximately thirty five seconds to boot up. So that can be a problem. Yeah, yeah. It definitely can. Uh, it's definitely not the most logistical, ergonomic camera light. to be light camera it's heavy to be running crap anywhere. <laughs> um, but you had already been running it on these other little bucks yep. when, and I'll let you. Uh, I turn because you're facing back. I'm facing, I'm facing the open field. Right, I'm facing the the actual barn, and the the kind of alleyway and the gate. Um, and you had told me that in pat in the past they these deer have like basically just walked down this this alleyway where the gate's at and walked out into the field. So I'm kind of watching the woodlot, you know, and that that alley and the you know big pasture back behind the barn and uh that's where these little bucks had been coming is, is this pasture and so I, you could see them perfect long before i was because i'm facing away right, right right and so uh yeah i was sitting there filming the the one little buck he was out in the cornfield at this point and i kind of turned around and, and i see this very dark large bodied deer standing in the alleyway 
uh, kind of munching on some grass or something. Well, and you and I said, "Hey, Trev, I think there's a there's an eight pointer, like sitting over here." No, I think you didn't. You tell me there's a lot bigger deer, a lot bigger deer, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think I said and bigger said, deer. I think he's an eight pointer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so then you turn, and the first thing you say is, "Oh, I'm shooting that deer." <laughs> well, I picked my binoculars up, and I saw it was Brutus because yeah. he's got a unique twist on his left side. Trying to think, yeah, his left side, he has like a, a knuckle, like an acorn. Uh, something happened in velvet, and it, it gave him, but he was very distinctive. Yep. And I put my binoculars, I saw that. Of course, mass, look at the body. I mean, for us, a lot of times, trophy isn't necessarily about size of rack as it is size of of body and maturity, especially in whitetail. And uh, so... Uh, I ended up, yeah, I knew I'm shooting that buck. Yeah. And then, so then it was a matter of, luckily you were kind of, your stand and the tree, he couldn't have seen all of me anyway because I was kind of tucked behind. Mm -hmm. But I looked back and I kind of had an idea where he was going to go because he was walking right in the gate. Now, uh, dream sequence, do 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 like Wayne's World, right? Going back to 2015, this exact scenario happened with my dad in the tree. It was, except that it was a, it was a one of those cold days, not as cold as that as as it was that day, but it had like 30 mile per hour wind. Tanner, please. I'm sorry, folks. Please email Tanner Vernon get a life at gmail.com <laughs> and ask him to not interrupt our podcast anymore. Okay. And so we're sitting there and it was one of those days the wind made it really cold and dad and I are basically just kind of, you're so cold. You're just trying to stay warm and you kind of tucked in, you know, arms in stuff like this. And I happen to look to the right and there's a big eight point walking right up that through that gate right out into the field. And I had ended up grabbing my bow, said, Dad, Dad, big buck, big buck. He gets on him, has no idea we're there. And I come to full draw, shoot, and I shoot in front of him. Like he is quartering away, like everything's perfect, 21 yards, 22 yards, top pin, baby. And I shoot in front of his neck and he runs off. And I won what I don't know what happened. Well, what had happened? Now I know. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, and I checked out. I was wearing this heavy coat, and my collar had a it had a stiff collar on it. And when I came to full draw, being left shooting a bow left-handed, my right side collar pushed my arrow over, and so that my arrow, I, I you know that the Hamsky rest has a, a v notch and it pops up well it pushed it up so i shot high and left mm. and from I, I mean valuable lesson of course i should have known that all along right you're always supposed to shoot in the in the clothes you're going to hunt in right yep yeah guess what i didn't do so i'm playing that scenario out in my head n knowing what this buck is going to do knowing he's going to come in look around you know work his way out 
and so I was able to grab my bow, get turned around. And now at this point, I will be honest, realizing it was Brutus, realizing it was this buck that I had spent all summer long daydreaming about, hoping just to have one opportunity because I have yet to kill one of the big target bucks. We've had different target bucks. The first year was a buck called King and I almost got him killed. And the doe, he was t trailing, busted us and off he went. But, and then last year I killed that crabby junior, mm -hmm. but he, he wasn't the big one. He was, he was one we needed. He was just one we needed to kill. And, uh, and and get out of there. I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. That's how that my adrenaline spiked when it came to that point that I was going to shoot this deer. And I had to really con collect myself and think back to the mistakes I made in order to get myself calm so that when he finally, and, I, and all I was thinking was, when am I going to draw? When am I going to draw? And I had a couple of limbs there, but they're not limbs enough to where you can come to full draw. Right. Especially with him only being, at that point, he's probably only 10 yards from the base of the tree. Yeah, I mean, he came through that, he came down through that that lane, and he actually turned and walked right at our tree that we were sitting I, in. I thought he was going to be right under us. Yeah. Yeah. But then he did angle back out, and that's when he, when he angled back out, that's when I was able to draw. And he, he he didn't bust me or anything. Right. But he was walking. He didn't stop walking. So I did the proverbial, eh, didn't, he paused a little bit, but he didn't stop. Right. And he kept walking. And last year I did the same thing to that crabby junior. And he, he paused like he was going to stop. And I shot and he took a step and I shot him back. Right. So I didn't want to make that mistake. And um, so then I gave him a good meh, and he did stop. But when he stopped, he looked right up at us. Yep. But by then I had my pen settled and, yeah. Dunk. And then he, like a bat out of heck, just tore off and made a big circle. And um, we didn't know it at the time, but you actually were on him. Yep. With the camera. Because the sun had just set, so it was plenty of light here, but inside the trees, it was darker. Mm -hmm. So we were looking in, and it, you couldn't see it. And uh, But I knew, I'd, I felt like I'd made a really good shot. Yeah. The the buck I shot in Missouri, if you, if you guys listen to that podcast, I thought I hit him high to begin with. I even, I think I looked at Tanner and I said, I think I hit him just a little bit high. And he, when we watched the footage and stuff, I did hit him a little bit high. He ducked, but, you know, he still didn't go too far. Right. Um, it was a lethal, lethal hit. So I felt a lot better about it. The angle was steeper too. And, uh, but then by the time I wanted to get out of the tree and at least go and see if there was some blood. And by the time I think I got out of the tree, you... Uh, had watched we had and and I think we watched the the shot together. Yeah, yeah, we and watched we were it pretty, back. We and were pretty confident. Yeah, I told I I turned to you and said that's that's a dead deer. I mean, it's a double long shot, no problem. Yeah, and so um, by the time I got to the bottom of the tree and started to work around, climb over the fence to where 
we could go I could go look at the blood you had you picked your binoculars up to where you last saw him in the timber and saw his belly yep so so that was pretty that was I was pretty excited I think I think I was well you were with me when I shot that buck in Nebraska that walked out yeah uh and that happened kind of out of nowhere and i just i didn't think i just reacted um when i shot that buck but i in a way it, it took a while for it to sink in who that was that i shot who you know the fact that he was already down and so i was excited but it took a while to get to the excitement part like right. it, it was so surreal and and did that just really happen which I, I remember feeling that way about that nebraska buck with you that we were we were t basically tucked in a, a hay bale blind and you happened to look over and said there's a buck coming that's a white tail that's a good white tail buck yeah and yeah. I'm, I'm putting my solitaire away grabbing my bow as all this is going on because we really were in that situation it was more of a reconnaissance mis mission than it was we're expecting to see a buck. So for this, it, it, it happened, and we and I got a chance to get myself under control. But we watched that deer come in from, you know, 60, 70 yards away, and he didn't run in. He just took his time, peed in a little scrape, worked his way over to us, and, uh, yeah, that was, pretty, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was just short enough of a time that it probably didn't get you worked up too much but long enough that we had plenty of footage of them coming in well and and honestly sometimes it is better when they walk in on you like that nebraska buck did when we were on the ground and he just showed up and i came to full draw and stood over you know kind of found the gap in between the round bales that we were hiding behind and shot him that was more of a reaction versus this I had, it was, it, it wasn't too long, but I had enough time to think through what do I need to do here Yeah. and lay out a plan and get myself calm, relaxed and, uh, and make the shot. So it was, uh, it was a, quite a relief, you know, and especially for us one day to get it done in one day was really cool because of this hunt that we're on now, Yep. the fact that we knew what we needed to do uh, to get ready for this was going to take some time. So it actually gave us the opportunity to get up the next morning, take some really good pictures, um, get him broken down, clean, get everything cleaned up, and had you headed back because you actually have a, a nice little piece of property you're hunting. You got a chance to get in stand. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got loaded up and headed home. Yeah, I mean, I figured uh, run home, have a day to, day to hunt myself. Well, um, I mean, it it seemed like things were things were pretty pretty on fire at that point in the whitetail woods. So uh, definitely didn't want to miss an opportunity there. And we we may bring you that story at some point. Yeah, that's. I think that's uh, that story's not done. I think it it, it was you had an exciting uh, account. Uh, and encounters um, so uh, I, I I think whitetail hunting for me 
And I think why I'm so ate up with whitetails, it's not about going and climbing up a tree. I mean, that's, in, in some ways, that's a huge portion and a big part of whitetail hunting. But for, for me, the ability to help with these properties, whether it's Missouri with AR and Trav at, at, at Nellie's place there in, in Missouri, or, you know, the McKenzie Farm in, uh, in Kansas, you know, I've hung all those stands. I've decided why I need to hang all those stands in those locations. And I've had to take stands down because they were horrible. And I had one I called the toilet bowl stand because the wind was always swirling. It just was like a toilet bowl. And I don't care what wind you had, you couldn't hunt that stand. Even if the wind that I hung it for, it didn't work. Yeah. And so you learn. And uh, and then, you know, we've put some food plots in that 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 – not that you're going to always have the success on a food plot, but what you do get is you get that transitions between, and that's what we were hunting there is is that that area is the hub of the farm, and there's different, a couple, three or four different ways those deer go, but they all funnel into there at some juncture. Yeah. And so that stand's been, it's been a good stand for us. Yeah, those... Those food plots are really great, too. Uh, I mean, obviously, the nutrition value that they give to the deer um, in some of the hardest uh, times for the deer to to need to put the calories in their bodies, but also um, just the consistency of, of deer being on the farm. You know, if they've got a reason to be there, they're, they're going to be there. Well, and, and, you know, I've always said this, you can bait in Kansas. But you're not going to kill. I shouldn't say that because people, you know, people probably have. But in my experience, you don't kill a big mature whitetail buck off of bait. What you're killing him off of is he's coming by to check the does. And that that becomes a, a man-made travel stop. A, a break point where the does come in and he's able to come in there and sniff around, see if there's been any hot does it's, in there. It's a great transition to, to utilize for sure. Yeah. The, the corn, like you said, it's not necessarily you're sitting over it to, to kill a deer that's eating corn that you put out. It's, it's actually to just put more consistency on when it, when a big buck might decide to meander through. A certain area. Um, yeah, I, I, in this situation too, there was not a kernel of corn out. No. Because I had, you know, I, I live 11 hours from there. And the last time I'd put out corn was October sometime. And we were actually going to do, we were going to put a little bit out. Um, but the co-op was closed. We got <laughs> yeah. out of the, I didn't realize that they closed at noon on Saturday. So we got out of the tree that morning and I was going to go to town and get some corn to put out. And, um, I couldn't. So we're just like, well, I guess we're just going to hunt. That's fine. Yep. And it worked out. I was, I was pretty tickled. So, sure did. you know, he, he, the buck, I don't know what he scores. Um, I don't really care. Um, I, I always say this, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not the best trophy hunter, but 
to me, he's such a trophy because of the time I've invested uh, to get the pictures, the trail cam pictures, and, and get a feel for what his home range is and this and that, and then to be able to have that opportunity to harvest him, um, I should say, to kill him and harvest his meat. Um, that, uh, that's pretty special, real yeah. special, especially... Uh, that farm that that means so much to my buddy i'm gonna have uh i caped him out um and i'm gonna have him mounted uh for my buddy i'm gonna give that mount to to my buddy travis and he actually he takes his boys out there they hunt uh rifle and he took his daughter earlier she's bow hunting now and they he went in october which i told him that's a horrible time to go I think they saw three deer the whole time they were there. Just, just a tough time. Yeah, it was rainy and and which normally would have been bad, except that it was so rainy, nothing was moving um, when he was there. So, yeah, it was a it was a great, great, uh, uh, just a great memory. And of course, we have the advantage of having it all on video. Yeah, and we can we can go back to that, and and it makes it even more special. So. That kind of uh, that kind of wraps up our Kansas hunt. Um, I think it was sometimes they're quick, and sometimes like in Missouri, I think what I killed my buck on the fifth was it the fifth day, fifth or sixth day. Yeah. You know, and um, sometimes you got to put your time in, and sometimes you're just sitting in the right spot at the right time, mm-hmm. and it happens quickly. So, well, thanks again. As always, we encourage you to go out and find the wild that inspires you. Um, go out and, and uh, whether it's your grandpa's back 40 in the Midwest or or maybe you're on the west, out in the west, at the west coast, whatever, and, and you get a chance to go to the Rocky Mountains, whatever it is, embrace that wild and, and enjoy it. God bless. We'll see you down the trail.